Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm going to invite some men to the stage, and we're going to have a very honest, frank conversation about what it means to be a godly dad, a godly father in this day and time. And these men come from many different walks of life, but I'm going to bring them up to the stage. I want to introduce first Pastor Paul Neil. Can we give it up for Pastor Paul Neil as he comes forward? I'd like to introduce Damar Hodge. Where's Damar Hodge, our student director and worship leader? Pastor Paul, I'm going to pull over this way. You can sit right there. Damar, right next to Pastor Paul. Hopefully that'll rub off on you. (laughs) Mr. Brent Richard. Come on, Brent Richard. Come on up. And Mr. Clint Leger. Clint Leger, come on up. Happy Father's Day. Come on, y'all. Have a seat that way. Now, I want to tell you a few things about these men before we get started. And they're going to be answering questions. They don't know. Um, they, I gave them the questions ahead of time, but they don't know which ones I'm going to ask because we have a bunch of them. So they're going to be answering from the heart. But first of all, how many of y'all love and appreciate, again, Pastor Paul and Miss Lynn? Pastor Paul spoke here a couple weeks ago, and I've got really good news. We get Pastor Paul back. He's going to be at the Broussard campus again, him and Miss Lynn. So, so excited about that. Today is Damar Hodges' very first Father's Day. And it's also his birthday. How old are you, Damar? 27 years old. Come on, can we give it up for that? So let me backtrack a little bit. Pastor Paul is going to be speaking from just the perspective of having kids who are older and he's been doing this a very long time and he's got longevity as a man of God and as a dad. Damar just had his first baby. So, but he does have a perspective, a very interesting perspective because he's our student director and he gets to see the fruit of the parenting And so a lot of times you're looking for, I need outside wisdom, outside perspective. Damar has that because he's built such an incredible rapport with our young men and our young women and our student ministry. So I want him to add value that way. We also have Mr. Brent Richard. Come on, give it up for Brent. And I didn't know this. I I knew Brent has a, a blended family. Brent has children of many ages. He's got two adopted sons. Is that right? Two adopted sons. And Brent and his lovely wife, Brooke, have fostered how many kids? 23. 23 children. They fostered 23 kids. And so he has a lot of great, great, great value that he's going to add to us this morning. And of course, Clint Leger over there, who is a great friend of mine. And um, yes, Clint and his lovely bride, Loretta, came to us from um, a, another church in town that they were elders at for many, many years. And he's just, the, the more I've walked with Clint, the more I've really appreciated his humility and I've appreciated his wisdom. And he, he got, the way that I met Clint, 
And so you know one of the reasons why he's up there. The way that I met Clint is they came to our church and asked if they could use our facility for his daughter's wedding. And his daughter asked him to officiate that wedding. That's a big deal. That means you've done something right. That means you've done something right. And so I want to get started. And men, and not everyone has to answer the questions. I may actually pick some of you out to answer certain questions. But I want to begin with this one. What makes a father a good father? What makes a father... <laughs> A good father. And we are. We're going to start with Pastor Paul Neal. <laughs> well, without trying to be super spiritual, I would say one of the things that makes a father a good father is that he's a father who enjoys his children. He enjoys them. They're not a burden. They're not a bother. They're not an interruption. He likes to have fun with them. He loves them. And he enjoys being with them, spending time with them. That's so good. Come on. Pastor Paul, why do you got, how many kids do you have? I have three children, nine and a half grandchildren. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. They say that the memory is the first, the second thing to go. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> what are the ages, Pastor Paul? So our, our oldest is 41 and then 38 and 36. So good. And, so and our good. grandchildren are from 19 to 18 months. Awesome. Awesome. Brent, how about you? What would you say this is what makes a father a good father? Um, well, I, I think number one, just, just being there for your kids, right? I think just showing up every day, like past, unlike Pastor Paul, uh, I enjoy my kids. There's times where you just don't like them. <laughs> and I think that's just part of being a dad and just getting past that and being like, you know, look, I yeah. just love you, you know? Yeah, that's good. One thing that I, I want to, I would add in there, I want to primarily hear from their wisdom, but I remember hearing the best definition. I think I've shared this with our church before. One of the best definitions I've ever heard of masculinity is the glad acceptance of sacrificial responsibility. There's no better qualification of a man than a man who's willing to say, hey, I'm going to take responsibility even when it hurts, right? Even when it doesn't look good on me. And what I've noticed about men, and and I'd love to hear from y'all on this, when it comes to being a dad, men, we don't like to do things we're not good at, right? We We don't like to do things that if we're not good at it, we don't do it. When it comes to being a dad, sometimes like, I don't feel like I'm doing this whole parenting thing. Okay, so what do we do? Mom, you got it, <laughs> right? You're better at it. Clint, this wasn't on here. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> but Clint, how do you, how do you go about press, not just giving the parenting to your wife? How do you stay in there even when it's hard? Uh... You're right. It's uncomfortable, right? There's no training manual. Um, you, you observe others, right? And you see what to do, what not to do. But as far as for not delegating that authority to, to your spouse or to the youth pastor or to, to whoever else, you have to be engaged. And listen, it's going to be uncomfortable for us as men because we've never done it before, especially as being a new father. Um, but you, you have to be plugged into it. You know, and a lot of people say fake it till you make it. But I prefer to say 
Do the hard thing till it becomes easy. Do the uncomfortable thing till it becomes comfortable. And as you grow in that and you see the fruit of your labor, then you're, you're drawn in, right? It's good. That's so good. Um, I, I believe in praying over our children. I believe that's a very important part of being a parent. Pastor Paul, um, what part does praying for your kids play in being a dad and being a father? And what is that? What can that practically even look like? Well, it's, it is, uh, you know, on a scale of one to 10, it's 13. It's uh, yeah. super important that you pray for your children and, um, you know, in my regular prayer time, I pray for my kids, I pray for my grandchildren, I pray that God would watch over them. Uh, you know, all the normal things, protection, not only physically, but protection from the spiritual snares that the enemy would lay for them. And I think that now that my children are older, uh, I still pray for them. I pray for our grandchildren, but uh, I, I take every opportunity to to not just pray for them, but to pray with them. Just Good. this past week, my, uh, one of my kids called and said, dad, I've got a situation, uh, at work and here's, here's, here's what I'm dealing with. And you know, what do you think? And so I shared a little bit about what I thought. And then I said, you know, let's just pray. Let's pray right now. And we prayed and you know, I just, I really felt the presence of God felt like the Lord was there. And, uh, you know, I, Hopefully I have over the course of my life, helped my children to understand by my modeling prayer yeah. and not just praying for them, but praying with them about situations, um, to, to implant that into their hearts. That's so good. That's so good. You know, that's something I'm going to back up a little bit cause I want y'all to be able to see our, our panelists, but there was something that I heard recently, um, that really stuck with me about the importance of modeling prayer for your kids. And that is, you know, obviously in the morning time, I have a time with God where I just pray. It's one of the first things I do. I think I told y'all that last week. I, I wake up, make coffee for my wife, let the dog out, and I pray, right? I see God's face. And my kids love to wake up during my prayer time and walk into the living room and start conversations, Right? And so that used to, you know, that could easily be something that bothers you. It doesn't really bother me anymore because I look at it as an opportunity. I'm modeling for them what I want them to do. And that's my time with Jesus. And they get to see daddy having his time with Jesus. So I just, I couldn't agree with them more. Modeling it for them is huge. We, we don't want to say, hey, you go pray. Well, how do I do it? We'll go figure it out. Right? We have to pray with them and teach them. Um, Damar, I'd like to come to you for the next one, because one thing that you're incredible at is connecting with teenagers, and teenagers are very hard to connect with, right? As a dad, what are some, what are some practical tips that you can give for connecting with a teenager, even that teenager that's difficult to connect with? Um, I had to learn this as a youth pastor. Um, I watched a lot of youth pastors before becoming one, and I think um, you see the trendy youth pastors that, you know, make the TikToks and make the post. And I, I realize that that is just, it, that falls. Culture changes. Your kids change. They stop caring about that stuff. What your kid needs is consistency. And the good thing about parents is, and fathers is you're grown. So you, you are the way you are. 
And there's things about you, like you laugh at certain stuff. You don't laugh at certain stuff. You, you not making TikToks. Um, probably not. <laughs> and it's not you. And I think the pressure for fathers to connect or parents in general is to be like them when they should be like you. It's good. That's so, so good. Like you are, and I'll even connect this with what they said with prayers. You're the example. You're the, you are the leader of your household. They need leadership. They need mentorship. They need a father. They don't need a friend. So connecting with them has nothing to do with you liking what they like. It has nothing to do with you making the jokes that they think is funny. What has everything to do with the time you spend with them. It's conversations with them. It's asking them questions. I I learned this uh, from Pastor Gabe. And one of the things he get, I love watching him do is you can go to some random place around Broussard and you'll see him with one of his daughters. He's dating his kids. Mm -hmm. He spends time, sits down in one-on-one conversation with them. They're excited to leave church with him, just him, because he has intentional time. He ain't trying to be Elon, but what he's trying to do is just spend time. And when you get to know them and they get to know you, that's when that is built. They don't need some version of you that's trying to get them to like you. You're already their dad. Just sit with them. That's so good. That is so good. Thank you, Demar. Just to brag on our youth pastor for a little while, you know, you can go on a Friday night to some game and randomly see Demar there. Some basketball game randomly find Damar there, some college graduation and Damar's there. What's he doing? He's living out the same principle that he just told you. Just be there. Time, just being there. I've heard it put this way. Teenagers spell love, T-I-M-E. Right? And they're, they're at the age that you don't want to be there for them. <laughs> but they're at the age that they need you the most in that time. Brent, let me ask you this question. Um, because you've had so many kids, right? How many, what, what are some of the common mistakes that you see many fathers making today? So if, if I can just back up one second, I wanna kind of sure. piggyback off of Clint's response a while ago. So if you're a dad and, and, and you don't think you're doing it right and, and it's uncomfortable and whatnot, find a man in the church who's parenting right. Mm-hmm. Find a man who you think, hey look, I can respect this man, he's raising his parents right. His kids are on his heels every Sunday morning when they leave in church because they want to be by dad. Find that man, connect with that man, and gain a relationship and see what he's doing. Is that way you can mimic it? So good. So, good. so some, some of the common mistakes. So I think um, generationally, I think men tend to disconnect nowadays. And what I mean by that is when they get off of work on a Friday afternoon, and I'll probably be shunned from the church after this, but they, <laughs> they, they pack their bag and they, they hightail it to the camp without the kids. So what you're doing is you're showing your kids it's okay to leave mom and the kids at home every single weekend. If you're doing it one weekend a month or every now and again, that's, look, great. Men need their time alone just like the mamas do, right? But if you're doing it every single weekend, every vacation, every opportunity you get, you're leaving them behind, uh, I, I just think you're making a crucial mistake and what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for a teenager who's going to be somewhat rebellious because you never invested in them in the That's in the youth. so good. That's so good. Very good. You, you don't have to be the best dad, but if you're always there and you're consistent, yeah. That, yeah. that'll outplay a, a great dad moment once a month 
over. So good. Why would you be kicked out of the church for that? Well, the whole camp thing, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, he, what he just said, again, is so gold. It, it's golden. I think about this sometimes with my kids, right? They're, they're younger. Elon just went to middle school camp. I'm like, oh, dear Lord. Right? And so she's getting older, she's getting there. And, but I've had this thought many times over the years when they're, you know, those moments when your kids are asking for your attention and you're busy and you don't want to give it to them? Y'all, have y'all ever felt that way, right? When your kids are like, hey, dad, I need to talk to you. Dad. And you're like, okay, I'm right in the middle of this or I'm trying to do this. I've had this thought, I can't remember who said it, but it really stuck with me. If I don't give them attention now, they won't give me attention later. So when you're trying to decide whether or not you're going to give them your attention in the moment, just remember one day when you're inviting them to Thanksgiving and they're not giving you the time of day, remember you sowed those seeds. You sowed those seeds. Um, can, I, can I add something to that? Please. Like you're so, you know, it's a situation that's plaguing our generation now, right? The devices in our hand. And I've heard it one way where, you know, the kid's saying to his parents, listen to me with your eyes, right? And my own grandson that's four, he'll always say, look at me, look at me. It isn't because he wants to show off. He wants my attention, right? And, and we just need to be aware of that. That's so good. Yeah. And to add to that, I, I'll say what he said in a different way. Basically, be present. Don't just be pre- like being in the room doesn't do anything. Like being in the room, you can be not in the room, sitting in the room. Your brain is everywhere else. Your attention is everywhere else. What we're calling you to do, and I think the biggest mistake I see with teenagers now is that many fathers don't actually pay attention. When they go to the game, they're concerned about work. They don't actually watch, and they can't go play-by-play with their kid like, oh, you missed that layup. You need to work on those, and then go outside and work on it with them. You know what I mean? Like, it's about being, like, your presence and your attention is huge. It's huge. It's everything. So good. Pastor Paul, what do you think about, let me say like this, how important, this is difficult for some men. Let me just say this. For some men, this comes easily and is natural. For others, this is extremely difficult. How important are the words, I love you, to your children? Again, I, I've, on a scale of 1 to 10, I think it's a 13 or 14. I, I think it's super, super important. And I, I have, I think within the heart of every human being, there's a yearning that has been placed there by God, a yearning for the approval of your father, the, the acceptance and the approval of your dad. And I've, I've talked with many, many people who have told me, you know, my, my dad loved me. I know he loved me. He loved my mom. He loved, you know, my brothers and sisters. He loved us. He worked hard. We never lacked anything. And almost without fail, there'd be a catch in their voice and sometimes, you know, just a big sigh of anguish as they say, you know, but I never, ever heard my dad say, Mm. I love you. I never heard him say that. And I, I just think it's, it is a gift that no one can give but you. And, and it, it speaks to their identity. It speaks to who they are. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful that our heavenly father doesn't have a problem telling us that he loves us. And we need to emulate that with our children and articulate that to them. That's so good. That's so good. 
I'm going to open this one up for anybody who wants to answer it. But along those same lines, this is also maybe not equally as difficult, but difficult for some men to say. How important are the words, I'm sorry, saying the words, I'm sorry to your children? Yeah, I'll take a stab at that. Um, It's huge. Uh, You want them to be able to have that kind of relationship with Christ one day where they're going to repent and say, I'm sorry. Uh, So you model it by doing that for them. But the other thing is, whether you realize it or not, your kids are watching you 24-7. And they hear what you say, but they watch what you do. Yeah. Uh, they know we make mistakes. Thank God our kids are resilient. <laughs> but the ability to say, I'm sorry, opens up lines of communications that wouldn't exist otherwise. It shows your humility. Uh, there's just so many, everything about it is positive. There's not a negative by telling your kids that you're sorry. And to add to that, from this side, talking to many teenagers that has resentment against their parents because of not saying I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Because what begins to happen is they begin to see you as hypocritical. Yeah. And I don't believe you are. But they begin to see that when they make a mistake, there's trouble. When you make a mistake, there's not. Good. So it becomes unfair and it becomes resentment and that resentment turns into disrespect. And now they don't respect anything you say. Now you tell them to clean their room and they look at you going, well, you wouldn't. You know, like that, and that's not what you want. So a simple, hey, I messed up. I'm, I'm sorry for that. Breaks all of that down. And you go, yeah, like, I don't know why you did that. And like, I, I don't know either, I'm sorry. And it allows them to know forgiveness, like Mr. Clint said, but also forgive you. It gives them the opportunity to forgive you. Yeah, I've heard uh, my pastor say this, Pastor Jacob, many times say, if you can't lead by example, lead by repentance. That means that if you've blown it in the example department, you can still be an example by saying, hey, I messed up. And what you're doing when you do that is you're providing for them an example to follow because guess what? One day they're going to mess up. What do you want them to do when they mess up? Same thing. Own it. Take responsibility. Repent of it. Turn. Right? So, Damar, I want to stay in this, and and honestly, anybody else can answer this as well. But I remember being a youth pastor, one of the things that really worked when helping parents was helping them learn the art of keeping their kids' hearts open. Right? And so, a lot of times we want control, but when we have control, we don't also have their heart open. Right? I'll never forget this moment, and she's here. I don't think she's ever heard me say this, but I remember going through a difficult time with my oldest daughter. And every night I would pray over her. Every single night I pray with my daughters, with very few exceptions. And one night she's asleep in the room and just prayed for, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, You can have control or you can have relationship, but you can't have both. And that never left me. So, Damar, help us, how do we keep their hearts open? Because we still have to discipline, right? We still have to train them up in the way they should go. We still have to do all of those things. But how do we keep their hearts open in that process? Um, man, so many things come to mind. First, like, I, like, you're obviously talking about a God principle. What you said is a God principle, what the Holy Spirit spoke to you, is the reason why we have free will. 
It's the reason why we can choose is because love can't exist when there's control. Like when you make them do something, they don't ever get the chance to choose. So choosing shows their love and allows them to express love. And I think every household wants love. But um, what comes to mind is when they're young, you, you're copying them, your helicopter. It is very much like, no, bad, stop, because you're teaching them. Um, they come to an age where they, and I'll say probably 10 or 11, they come to an age where they know that they're supposed to clean their room. Now they get reprimanded because they didn't. And that's teaching them consequences. But it's still making them, allowing them to choose. And I think what gets hard, Pastor Gabe told me this too. I'm using all his wisdom. I'm, this is all his words. Um, he, he told me that sometimes we see our kids make a mistake and we see ourselves what that did to us at 25, right? And then we look at them at five and we're like, you can't do that again. So then we're like, no, let's remove all opportunities, let's blah, blah, blah. And I think there's a space and time for that. Um, but sometimes you have to let them walk into the problem and then grab them. Mm. This, like, because what happens is they are now knowing my dad loves me so much that when I walked into a problem, he saved me. But if you're keeping them from the problem, they'll never see your love. Good. They'll That's never good. see it. The same way that we experience Jesus' love for us because we walked into a problem and he saved you. He saved you. There are so much he saved you from that you didn't know existed, trust me. But there's a lot where you can go, God, you brought me out of that. But the same way your child can look to you and go, Dad, my dad brought me out of that because he loves me. And then he sat me down and went, you can't do that anymore, but I love you. Hey, I'm going to reprimand you, but, but I, I don't want you to walk into that anymore because this is what it could be. Yeah, that's good. You know? That's good. On, on that note, you said something I think that's really good. And I'd love to hear Pastor Paul lean into this for a little bit. The stages, Pastor Paul, your oldest is 41, right? You've been their dad since they were born. Define for us, how, what are some of the stages that we need to be ready for as dads? Like how do you interact with your kids when they're younger versus how you interact with them when they're teenagers versus how you interact with them when they're out of the house and they're on their own? And what do you do, how, how do you manage that tension as a dad? Well, I think you start off, um, you know, when kids, when kids are infants, I think one of the best things a dad can do is support their mom and help their mom. She's carrying the, the weight and the burden of keeping that child alive. And, and I think anything you can do to make her life easier and to help her will, will go a long, long ways. <laughs> When, when kids get a little bit older, you know, and, and they're able to run around, it's great to play with them. It's great to interact and play and teach them how to play, to, you know, have fun with them. Uh, when, they, when they get into school, I think, you know, it's important that, that they have a concept of authority and how that works because they've seen it in the home and they understand that now I'm going to uh, a classroom and my teacher and the school authorities that they are the authority and, and I'm required to 
to obey. I, one of the things that we tried to do was teach our children how to obey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very, very important when we, we would teach them obey right away. Yes. Don't put it off. Obey right away. Obey all the way. Yes. Do it as well as you know how to do it and obey in a happy way yeah. because your attitude is huge. Good. And if you want to get ahead in life on your job, you want to bless, be a blessing in your marriage. I mean, it just, it follows you all the way through life. And so I, I think those are, those, are, that is one principle that needs to be instilled uh, in your children. I think, especially when your kids get into those teenage years, it is super important mm-hmm. to, uh, to stay connected. It is, uh, it's just very, very important. I think as much as possible, involve your kids in the things that you like to do, but also respect them for who they are and realize they may have giftings in their life that you don't necessarily have and, and be interested, be involved, support them, help them in that as they, as they enter into their adult years, their independent adult years. I think that is a transition point that a lot of people are, are unprepared for. Yeah. And it is not always smooth. Uh, when your children become adults and they're making decisions and you don't have that control anymore, that can be a very scary thing. But just remember that, you know, we're, we're still, we still have the most powerful weapon available to us, and that is prayer. And that is, that is you know, continuing to model, continuing to uh, uh, set an example for them and be there for them. Just uh, be available. Uh, I think there are times when you may need to pursue the relationship a little bit uh, as they become adults and to... Uh, uh, not not just sit back and and wait on them, but but pursue them, pursue that relationship, and be there for them. So I, I don't know. Did That's I touch a great on anything? Answer. There? That's phenomenal. Something you said, and, and I want to go back to this with you just for a moment. Then I have another question that's for for all of you guys. But you brought up discipline, right? And, and the Bible says this: Proverbs chapter thirteen, verse twenty-four. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And we live in, uh, there's a popular cultural term going on right now, going around called gentle parenting. And I'm not sure where some of you land with this, but I'll just tell you it's not biblical. So whether you like it or not, it's not biblical. But I think there's also the extreme of I'm going to beat the daylights out of you because the Bible said that I could. <laughs> Pastor Paul, what's, what's a good healthy balance for disciplining your children? What does that look like? Because even with Jesus, the Bible says Jesus learned obedience, right? So the father even was teaching Jesus, the son of God, he learned obedience because he was already naturally that as divinity. But how do you do that? So I I think it's very important. And sometimes I'm surprised that uh, I've been surprised at my own lack of wisdom in this area. I I remember when it hit me how people who train dogs seem to understand that concept of training better than parents do sometimes. The power of positive reinforcement, the power of, you know, uh, uh, praise. And, and I think that is super important. But when it, when it comes to discipline, I think that it's important that you give instructions that are age appropriate. Mm. 
okay, age appropriate, that you help your children to know that what you are asking, you're sure that they understand what you are asking of them, that there's no mistake about it. And, and that when it's, when there is a time for, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say punishment because discipline does not have to mean punishment. A discipline just means that you're helping them learn how to wake up and how to clean their bed, clean their bedroom and take responsibility. But, but if there is punishment, it should only be because they have rebelled and deliberately disobeyed a clear command that they could have obeyed. And, and it was not beyond their ability. The devil comes to us and says, you can't obey God's commands. They're too hard. They're impossible. It, it would, God would be the most unloving creature in the universe if he would ask us to do things that we could not do. But he does it. And the word of God tells us his commands are not burdensome. They're not grievous. They're within the, the possibility of all of us to embrace and obey and follow through. And so it's important that it's age appropriate. It's important that they understand it and do not, do your very best, do not ever uh, meet out punishment if you're angry. That's good. Don't do it out good of word. anger. If you, need to, if you need to walk around the block, if you need to walk a couple of miles, whatever you have to do. I, I had an incredible example uh, my dad, uh, was, was a, a disciplinarian. He was a pastor, but he was a disciplinarian. And when, when it, when I had rebelled or disobeyed, my dad would ask, he would, he never did it in front of anyone else. N- not, not my brother, not my mom. It was me and him. You meet me in the bedroom and Oh boy, that was going to be a bad day, <laughs> you know? And we'd go in the bedroom and he would ask me now, I want you to tell me, what did I tell you? Uh, about this situation. I want you to tell me, what did I say? And I would have to repeat it back. Do you understand what that meant? Yes, sir. I understand what that meant. All right. Now, because you have disobeyed, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to do, and he would always say, this is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. And I thought, you liar, you liar. (laughs) Years later, I found out that's absolutely true. And then discipline would come and it would be painful. And when it was over with, without fail, my dad would say, now I want you to give me a hug and tell me you love me. He said, I love you, son. And I want you to tell me you love me. And, and there was such a reconciliation. I think it's important to realize that the purpose of painful discipline like that or punishment, the purpose is to restore a relationship. That's the purpose. Don't lose that goal. That is the purpose. And so, so I, I think, I think be, just be very, very careful that, that it's age appropriate. Be careful that you are not disciplining out of anger or punishing out of anger and, uh, and that your children know and, and that that relationship is, is restored. That's incredible. That's incredible. Y'all enjoying this? Come on. Well, good. We're only going to go about another 45 minutes or so. Uh, I'm just joking. Y'all didn't clap for that, apparently. Um, but there's, there's some incredible fathers in our church that could have been up here. I think about men like Marcus Harris, who's an incredible dad. I think about men like Tim Sinsley, who's an incredible dad. James Bertrand, who's incredible. Shane, all this some great men. There was something I learned from, you mentioned positive reinforcement earlier, from a guy in our church, Rob Cousin. And Rob and I were having a conversation, and Rob said, yeah, I just bought my son this, this gift. 
he said, just because he's been doing good. Like it, it wasn't his birthday, it wasn't a holiday. Yeah. This was called good kid gift. Yeah. And I think there's something powerful about that. Letting your kids see that I'm gonna reward you just because you've been doing great and I see it. I think our kids sometimes feel like they're seen when they're doing something wrong and they don't feel like they're seen when they're doing something right. So I think there's a lot to, to that which Pastor Paul just unpacked for us. But next question, and I wanna to go to Clint um, for this one. Clint, the culture teaches us to self-define, right? And I think a lot of what we're seeing today in society with kids going, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, is because of a lack of definition from a dad, right? A dad has the ability, the God-given ability to say, this is who you are. And so when you don't give that to your kid, they lack that. How did you go about doing that and helping to define your kids when they were younger? And then Brent, I want you to answer the same thing. Uh, Some of it was explaining why we were doing what we were doing as a family, why we were who we were as a family. Because um, Megan, my middle's here, she can tell you that her friends would come over and say, man, y'all different, (laughs) you know? And that was a compliment to us, but it was also, they would sometimes be ostracized for it as well. Um, So explaining why we were a family of integrity, why we kept our word, why if we said we were going to be there, we were going to be there. And now they're grown, 31, 29, and 27, and they say they're going to be somewhere, they're going to be somewhere. Um, And then when possible, bring it back to the word of God, right? So that there was a reason. It wasn't just something daddy made up. Um, So that they had a foundation, right? And we raised them in church. Uh, And for all of those things, you know, and some of the things I said earlier, what we all said, listen, man, it's never too late. Yeah, yeah, it's good. (laughs) It's never too late, you know, because we we can mess it up (laughs) with the best of them, but it's, it's never too late to start instilling start relaying the foundation and, and repairing those relationships. So good. Brent, you have, you have two young sons right now, right? Yes, 9 and 11. 9 and 11. So what are you doing now to help define them and who, really, who aren't even biologically yours, but they're really as much yours as anybody else's in here, right? But what are you doing to help define them? So it's a little different. It's a little different with those guys because, you know, they know where they come from. They know we, we didn't hide anything from them. We, they knew they were false. They knew that they were adopted. So we were very honest about the whole process. So th- there's a, it's a little different when you're dealing with foster children, especially when that relationship with the, uh, the biological parents stayed for a long time. Uh, my nine-year-old, not a whole lot of relationship with his bios. So, uh, I mean, he fits in like a key to a lock, right? Like he just... He's very confident in who he is as, as a reshort. Um, my 11-year-old, uh, like a square peg in a round, <laughs> round hole. Right? So, you know, I, I think the important thing is just to continue to affirm them in who they are. You know, uh, we, we tell them very often, uh, God created you a certain way. You are who you are because you, God created you a certain way. And, and he has a, a certain calling on your life. Um, and, and it even has to do with our, with, with our biological daughter, right? There was just a situation this week where we had to have a conversation because of who they are in Christ. Because 
they felt a certain way about who they were and they just didn't, they didn't fit the mold, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. Because nowadays there's a mold where like, you have to be this or you have to be that. Well, my kids buck all the system, right? Like, they're not I even- I wonder why. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> they have their own identity, Pastor Gabe, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it's just, you just have to continue to affirm them and you have to let them know that there's a reason why they are created the way that they, create, they are created. It's not because so they can fit into the world, it's actually just the opposite. They have to go and change the world, That's right. you know? So if you continue to, to affirm that in them and push them in that direction, I think that's all you can do and just hope that they follow. That's amazing, that's so good. One more time, have y'all enjoyed our, our panelists? Come on, let's give it up for them. I wanna do two more things before we close. Um, the first thing I'd like to do and I'm gonna to speak to you just for a few minutes after this, so just hang tight with me. But one more time, I'm gonna ask all of our dads to stand up, and I'm gonna ask Pastor Paul to pray over you, to pray for you that God gives you the grace that you need wherever you're at to be the dad that he's called you to be. So Pastor Paul, will you please pray for us? Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, your word tells us that sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. And so, Lord, I ask right now for every one of these men that you would give them a heart that understands you and understands their children. I pray that you would give them the key to the hearts of their children. Each one is different. Each one responds differently. I pray that you would grant them wisdom beyond their years or their experience. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give them revelation. I pray that every gift that is in the Holy Spirit's toolbox given to us in 1 Corinthians 12 would be operating and active in the hearts of these men. Give them a word of knowledge. Give them a word of wisdom. Give them discerning of spirits. Help them to understand things that they've never been taught or trained on, Lord, when it comes to their children. Help them to be the loving authority that points them to Jesus. Help them to be the father, Lord, that, that you've called them to be. I just give you thanks and praise. Lord, we place our lives in your hands. Mold us, shape us, forgive us, cleanse us, deliver us from our pride and help us, Lord, to serve our families and serve our, our children, Lord, as a, as a godly example of who you have called them to be. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, everybody. Let's give it up for our amazing fathers.